Welcome to The Workplace, a podcast by Cal Chamber. I'm Matthew Roberts, Employment Law Counsel with the California Chamber of Commerce. And today on the podcast, we're going to be discussing um, COVID-19 related litigation and how employers can ensure that they're aware of some potential situations that could trigger a lawsuit. You know, we've been into the pandemic now for uh, 18 months. Um, and as uh, some of us seasoned employment lawyers know, litigation very frequently trails very slowly behind um, novel employment law issues. And so as we start to get farther and farther on from the outset of the pandemic, um, something that we're starting to see is more and more claims and cases in the court system arising because of issues related to the COVID-19 pandemic. And, you know, who more appropriate to join me on the podcast today to discuss the threat of employment law litigation, but two other employers who specialize in employment law. So joining us today are Ashley Hoffman, a Cal Chamber policy advocate who focuses on labor and employment laws uh, here at the legislature in Sacramento, and who also works on employment law legislation on behalf of the business community. So welcome today, Ashley. Thanks, Matthew. Good to be here. And also joining me today is Kobe Turner, who is a partner with the Sacramento office of the Safe Arts Shaw Law Firm, who also spends a great deal of time focusing on employment uh, litigation matters. So welcome to you as well, Kobe. Thanks for having me, Matt. No problem. So, um, you know, I thought this would be a good time to tell a lawyer joke since, you know, three lawyers together on a podcast, but I am a lawyer. I'm not a comedian. So in an effort to avoid bad comedy, I think we should probably just get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. You know, recently there's been a few news stories focusing on the idea that we're starting to see more and more litigation against employers related to COVID-19 plans. Um, And in fact, those in the community here in the employment law community, you know, we've noticed that the Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, or as we all know it as the EEOC, did just file its first pandemic-related lawsuit that involved a claim in Georgia where an employee alleged that her employer failed to provide a reasonable accommodation to allow her to work from home because she had an underlying condition that made her at higher risk for serious complications from COVID-19. Now, of course, we know, you know, as stories arise in the media, um, one or two cases doesn't necessarily make a serious concern for employers. But Ashley, I'm going to start with you. Because of your relationship to the business community and your advocacy role, what concerns about litigation are you hearing from the business community related to the COVID-19 pandemic? Thanks, Matthew. One of the largest, you know, concerns that we've been hearing from employers relates to telecommuting. You know, California's wage and hour laws are are rigid, of course, and very complex, and we're really largely designed for this idea of having employees in the office. Um, So, you know, when uh, I think it's uh, as much as about two thirds of California's workforce was forced to, you know, work from start working from home in 2020, a lot of employers, you know, started to become kind of nervous about things like reimbursement of business expenses. You know, how far does that extend? Um, What do you, you know, do you need to cover? internet? Do you need to cover water? You know, what what do you exactly need to cover for an employee? Um, You know, how do you get them the notices um, that are required to be posted in the workplace that they're required to review? Um, How do you track what employees are doing as far as making sure that you're accurately paying them? You know, how do you prohibit off the clock work or or make sure you're actually capturing all of the time that an employee um, is working, that they're taking their meal and rest breaks on times? Things like that, I think, are are big, you know, concerns that we saw from employers. And then, of course, too, I think just tracking all of the different requirements, you know, 
between the leave laws imposed by the legislature or local cities and counties, um, but then also, of course, the Cal OSHA emergency temporary standard, um, the bill that required, you know, uh, notifications if there were any sort of outbreaks, um, just trying to really keep track of all of those changing rules, um, especially when you had differences between what the state required, what a city may require, and then what a county may require. Thank you, Ashley. Now, Kobe, I'm going to turn to you, um, since, as I said, as an employment litigator, you're, you're out there in the trenches. Um, and I know as part of um, your practice, you're really tracking these, these claims and these issues. What are the major issues that you are seeing that employers are actually being sued for, that employees are actually making claims for damages for? So it's no surprise that some of the biggest concerns that are being presented to Ashley at Cal Chamber are also some of the biggest issues that I'm seeing in litigation, because there's a reason they're coming to her with these questions. And so I, I mostly do wage and hour litigation. So I see a disproportionate amount of claims for remote work expenses and off the clock type of claims, as well as meal and rest break claims. And those have always been an issue in California, but there is some level of exacerbation since the pandemic because people feel this need to sort of work round the clock, round the clock when they're at home and they're being constantly interrupted. So in California, essentially you're being paid from the time that you start work until you finish and they don't have the flexibility in our laws to account for the fact that you may have to take a 10 minute break or a 15 minute break to help your second grader with their math zoom class or whatever and so we're seeing a lot of that from the employer level where they want to maybe be able to give employees more flexibility but then it's coming back to bite them because they're now having these situations where employees are trying to make up for that time by working maybe an hour after they log out for the day to make up for those 20 minutes that they were helping their second grader with their zoom class and those kinds of things are coming up in litigation so that's been something that's been an issue. As far as the work from home expenses, what we're seeing is some really creative claims that employers may be obligated to pay for a portion of someone's utilities or mortgage or HOA fees because the person is now working from home. Some of those people can actually quantify, you know, they've in the summertime, their air conditioning bill like doubled because they're working from home all day and they never had to worry about that when they were working in an office, but now they're in Sacramento and it's 110 degrees in the summer. So there's things like that that are coming up in terms of the wage and hour litigation, but some of the bigger single plaintiff stuff that we're seeing has to do with retaliation and discrimination claims for people that are making workplace safety complaints is probably the singular biggest thing that we've seen in our lawsuit tracking. So, and that could range from anything from someone complaining that their coworkers aren't properly wearing masks at work um, to the fact that maybe employers aren't requiring the screenings that have um, been required in certain jurisdictions during the pandemic, things like that. Um, and then secondarily, discrimination related to people, primarily it's categorized in the sense of a disability, like the EEOC case that you mentioned. So it's not so much for people that are trying to take leaves because they get COVID or maybe because they have a family member that gets COVID, although that does happen. It's primarily related to people that have some kind of medical issue or disability and they're looking for an accommodation that's because of the concerns related to COVID. And that's where we're seeing the largest like single plaintiff thing outside of the safety context. Yeah, there's a lot out there on that, Toby. Um, and thanks for really laying that out for our employers that it's really a wide breadth of things that an employer may get in trouble for. And I kind of want to go back to the wage and hour issues there because 
you know, pre-pandemic, we've had wage and hour laws on the books that have been pretty much the same for a period of time. They get tweaked here and there. Um, but what something that I hear about through our members um, here at the chamber is, you know, can't we maintain something more flexible because remote working is just this more casual, flexible environment? And does California's wage and hour rules kind of allow for that flexibility? And what are your thoughts on that, Kobe, in terms of flexibility under the wage and hour rules? So California's wage and hour rules are not designed for flexible work. Let's just put it put it bluntly. Um, that doesn't mean that employers aren't allowing employees a bit more flexibility at home, but employees still need to be recording all of their time worked. And so if that means that they end up working a 15-minute stint at 8 p.m. to answer those emails they couldn't answer during the day, they need to be logging that time if they're an hourly employee. Otherwise, an employer can be facing potentially significant liability from an off-the-clock perspective because in California, it's just not, it's not just those 15 minutes that are an issue. There's tons of different penalties associated with those 15 minutes not being recorded. There's penalties on the wage statements. There's penalties potentially for liquidated damages. There's penalties under the Private Attorneys General Act. And those all add up pretty substantially and they dwarf the 15 minutes of unpaid time. And given that everything that employees are doing remotely is largely digital, there's usually a footprint if you get sued. You can go back and see that that person was sending emails because all of those emails are going to be logged in your email system. Or if your employee is using Salesforce or if they're using their Zoom phone, all of those records still exist. So ostensibly, the company could know this was happening. Now, what if the employer and the employee agree to these kind of arrangements where I'll log in and out or I'll take my breaks later or I'll just waive my rest breaks because I need to get this work done? Doesn't the law allow for some flexibility for the employers and the employees to agree on certain conditions? Um, so an employee can waive their rest breaks of their own accord. Um, rest breaks, you're only required to provide them. Uh, what you don't want is an employer, you know, essentially surreptitiously including, encouraging people to skip their rest breaks, which is what usually the allegation ends up being in class actions. Um, but as far as the flexibility in terms of taking 20 minute breaks here and there, that's not allowed under California law for non-exempt employees, regardless of agreement. And so um, the employer's obligation is to provide the breaks. Now, if an employee explicitly declines not to take them, fine. You could have that argument if you're defending a class action um, down the road, but your records won't look great and it would be an expensive case to defend in a he said, she said situation. So it's definitely not recommended. And Kobe, one more question I have uh, rising out of something that you said there with regards to the largest number of claims that we've seen through, the, through your tracker is really retaliation or you know, termination decisions based on someone making a workplace safety claim. And I find that particularly interesting because you know over the last 18 months, we've kind of been waffling back and forth as employers on, do we bring people back, do we not bring people back, do we bring a hybrid situation around? What does it look like when, a, when an employee makes a workplace safety claim and what should an employer really be looking out for there? That's a great question. So I always, tell clients that these workplace safety complaints don't come out of nowhere. Um, they usually originate from someone who asked to work remotely first and was denied that request and is forced to come into the office. And then they make a safety complaint once you force them to come back. That's usually what happens. 
And so thinking about how you decide on these remote work requests, that's like step one. But usually the safety complaints are once these people are back in the office where they're forced to be perhaps unnecessarily, like, do you really need your you know, payroll administrator to be doing something on a computer in an office that she could be doing on a computer in her own hallway? Um, but they're forced to come back into the office and then they make a complaint that people aren't wearing masks inside, which is legally required in much of um, the jurisdictions in the entire U.S. at this point. They complain that people aren't doing the symptom screenings. They complain that people are at work and they're coughing, sneezing, et cetera, which is in violation of the screening requirements. Um, they complain that people are sitting shoulder to shoulder when they're supposed to be socially distanced. They complain, you know, all, all the sorts of things that you see in the Kalosha requirements for what you need to do from a safety perspective, because let's be honest, in most of these workplaces where people know each other, they are doing all of this stuff. Um, sometimes we do get ones that are more serious. Um, for instance, we have had some where um, employees will claim, and this is in the context once vaccinations were available, where employees would claim that they were vaccinated because they were allowed to do that with a self-attestation process. And then they would tell their coworkers that they were not actually vaccinated. And so they'd be walking around the workplace not wearing a mask, um, having lied about their vaccination status. So we would get complaints like that, that the company wasn't adequately um, checking to see if people were vaccinated before allowing them to remove their masks. Those are a moot point at the moment because everyone has to wear masks again. Right, and I think that's really interesting now that we mentioned vaccines because that's really one of the hot topics of the day. And I happen to notice that um, you know vaccine-related lawsuits seem to make kind of the hierarchy of the list that you presented, Kobe. And, and Ashley, I kind of want to bring you back in on this because I think the reason why we're not seeing this um, as a litigation issue at the moment is, as I said, these things track so much later down the road, right? We get the law in place and then it takes weeks, months, years for litigation to come from. But actually as a policy advocate, and we know that you're really detailed into working with employment related things such as the vaccine mandates. Um, and so what concerns are you hearing from employers about imposing mandates, the government imposing mandates, a voluntary mandate? What are you hearing on that stuff, Ashley? Sure. Uh, you know, some some employers are happy to impose mandates. Others are definitely hesitant about it. I think the those that are hesitant, probably the two biggest things we hear is one concern about accommodation requests, you know, for folks who medically cannot receive the vaccine um, or who uh, claim to have a, a religious exemption from the vaccine. You know, um, kind of what litigation could come of that, uh, which, of course, is very expensive, you know, to, to defend against. Um, and then also, you know, how do you actually verify the validity um, of those claimed exemptions. Um, I think there's been, you know, a lot of stories out there about everyone trying to get a religious exemption or something that might not be true. And, and so employers are very concerned, you know, about having to kind of make the judgment call as to whether, you know, some of these are genuine. Um, and then I would say, you know, the, the second hesitancy that we really see is um, the labor shortage, you know, is okay if I start requiring vaccines um, and, and so people are opting, you know, not to then um, work here anymore because they don't want to be vaccinated. You know, I'm already struggling to hire. Um, what do I do in that instance? Um, you know, and even if you can offer maybe a testing alternative, um, that, that's extremely expensive. Um, and, and a lot of employers, you know, can't really afford to do that. Um, so they're kind of having to, to choose, you know, if I mandate can I afford a, a testing alternative? People don't want to get vaccinated. 
And if I can't, you know, can I afford to lose folks when we're having kind of a labor, a hiring shortage right now? Okay. And, you know, as we, you had mentioned at the outset, you know, one of the hallmarks of the pandemic really has been so many changing rules being whiplashed back and forth, something new coming down, something new being changed to something else that we had just gotten used to. The, you know, the Calosha ETS is something that comes to mind. We had all just kind of gotten used to those rules after six months and they got changed on us again. Um, and that may be happening again in the future. But um, Ashley, what's some advice that you have for employers on how to kind of protect themselves and stay up to date on those kind of things? Yeah, you know, I I think uh, I know some of the the state agencies are, are really trying to work on kind of some resource pages. You know, I, I think GoBiz is, is trying to work on a resource page for employers to go to to be able to track this. Of course, you know, as Cal Chamber, we're always here for employers, um, you know, on our HR.4 page, of course, the, the helpline and then, you know, us policy advocates as well. Um, I think, you know, it's important to kind of continuously probably check the web page of your city, county, um, and then the, the Cal OSHA just to make sure everything is up to date. Um, I do believe, and I apologize for all the details off the top of my head, but I believe there was actually a bill that was passed this year that would actually require certain changes to be posted online to help make it easier for businesses. That's excellent. And, and Kobe, to bring you back in here, um, what are some things that employers should be looking to do now to kind of uh, limit the risk of litigation um, and wage and hour issues and discrimination and retaliation issues? What are things that you're telling employers are key points for them to look at operationally and policy-wise? That's a great question, and that, that's a, there's so many things that um, are, in, we're talking COVID specifically, so in terms of that, like one of the first and foremost things for you to do is make sure that you have a good safety plan in place related to COVID-19, and that is everything from just sort of basic safety things in the workplace with your screenings and um either and checking vaccine verifications to the extent that that's appropriate and having masking rules and all of that type of thing. So having your safety plan in place, including the notification process, if there is an outbreak in the workplace, that's all very important because if employees are going to feel safe at work, then you're less likely to get a bunch of these other types of discrimination, retaliation type of complaints. If you have the safety plan in place and if someone makes a complaint, if you're responsive to investigating what they say and remedying the situation, that can go a really long way. Um, to the extent that you have a lot of your workforce remote, um, which many employers still do, there are some things you can do if you have a, a non-exempt workforce to attempt to minimize potential issues with class action litigation. And that involves assessing whether or not your employees need some form of work from home uh, stipend or reimbursement related to work from home expenses that they may be incurring because in California, you're affirmatively obligated to do that, um, as well as um, what some employers are doing and I think is a good practice in risk prevention is doing some form of, let's say, monthly or quarterly audit to see if it looks like there's off-the-clock work, and that could involve just doing a scan of your um, employees' like email times. You don't have to look at the content of their emails, but you can see the times in which employees are emailing. You can see the times in which they're logged into Slack, for instance. Um, you can see things like that, and if it looks like there might be instances in which you have employees that are working when they're not actually on the clock, you need to follow up on those and talk to the employee and see if that's happening. Make sure that they know they're supposed to be recording all of their time. 
And then just proactively making those communications, reminding people periodically, you need to be recording all of your time worked, you need to be submitting your expenses, so that in the event that you are sued, you at least have a defense and say, hey, I keep telling these people that they should be recording their time and submitting their expenses, and we had every reason to believe that they were doing so. So those are the best ways to minimize your liability at this point. Well, Kobe and Ashley, I want to thank you both very much for joining me. I'm very grateful for both of your expertise. I think this was a real vital conversation for our members um, in kind of understanding what the risks are that are out there as we continue to try to navigate the pandemic and just operate our businesses. So Kobe and Ashley, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. And thanks for joining us on The Workplace. Please comment, share, and subscribe to Cal Chambers podcast by visiting calchamber.com.